asked Allison to sing that one this morning because it's true. And he is good. Um, I always think of, I, I remember dates in my mind. Um, and there are important dates in my life. And um, I know that several of you in here actually have important August dates. Um, August is an important date. In my family that I grew up in, my parents were married 57 years ago today. And uh, I always remember that. Um, and that's the kind of goodness that we're talking about. And I know that actually a couple of more couples in our church family were married that same month in that same year. So God is good, and God is faithful in that. Um, while, while I was on vacation, um, I, I didn't know this, but Buena Vista, it's got an orange processing plant. And I went there looking for Greg, but I heard he got the squeeze. If you weren't here last Sunday, go go watch last Sunday's worship service on YouTube, and you'll understand the corniness that I just threw out there. Anyway, um, but yeah, all right. And yes, you might have a tr- trouble concentrating. Can't can't go there anymore. Okay. I will. Uh, I'll stop. Let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter five. And to prove that I did watch the worship service, we're going to start out there today. Second Corinthians chapter five. Bill Lighty shared last Sunday from this passage, kind of as his launch point, and I, th- I intend on doing the same, but to uh, not copy everything he said. Um, uh, I I don't preach with a script. I have no manuscript. Somebody in the first couple of years we were here said, uh, you, get, you get all of that off of Lifeway, don't you? And I said, if I do, somebody owes me money because um, I preach with, with a basic outline and usually just using the scripture as the outline. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is one of my favorite passages in, this, in the Bible. And uh, today we're going to talk about being ambassadors. And that, that slide you see on the screen up there, uh, you, you see it's kind of got some quirkiness to it, right? And it it reminded me of what we are called to be in Christ. Um, Some almost 24 and a half years ago, I saw a piece of paper hanging on a bulletin board. You guys remember bulletin boards? Remember those before the TV screens started flashing at you all the time, right? And they used to put up, well, actually we have one out there. I'm not you know, you, you put announcements on there and things that are needed. Well, I was a young college student, 19 years old, at Eastern New Mexico University and walking through the Baptist Student Union building there, and I saw a piece of paper hanging on the wall. And it said this. This is all it was. I thought about making, a, a, making it big for you, but this is as big as it was. And this is not that piece of paper. I kind of wish I still had that piece of paper. It said, needed, music director, Calvary Baptist Church. Well, that was in Portales, New Mexico. There, there's no longer a Calvary Baptist Church here in, in Pueblo. Don't worry. You don't have to say that you know, th- this, this was a past life for your pastor. But it, I, I first saw that, and I was like, I'm too young for that. It's not talking to me. And then I walked past it again. No, it's not for me. But I remember that fall, this was in January of that year, um, 
uh, that school year, that fall, I had been thinking maybe God wants me to start looking for a church job. And, and I had just started as a music uh, major the year before. I switched to choral that year. I hadn't been singing long enough to, to know what I was doing. But apparently God didn't care about that because he put that sign in front of me and it was that it was probably better handwriting than this but it was i think it was in blue like i said it was 20 almost 25 years ago my brain has slept a couple times since then and god drew me in with a piece of paper with a need written on it he had had a call on my life before then I knew I was going into ministry. I just thought it would be when I wanted to do it. But on February 23rd, 1997, guess what I started doing? That little advertisement on the bulletin board at the Baptist Student Union came down because I had my first ministry position. Here's the deal, though. You don't need an ad be a minister through Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote the word, when God inspired him in scripture and called each reader to be an ambassador, he was not calling out an elite trained person to do one specific job. He was calling the church to be his voice in the world. God has one means by which to proclaim the gospel on earth, and that is the church. He has given the church his spirit. He has given the church his word, the Bible, the book. And now he calls us to learn it, and he calls us to live it. He calls us to live it in community together, and he calls us to live it as a witness to the world around us. And those things I shared before that are happening in our world right now, the, as they would say in, in, in more antiquated use of the language, the tumults, right? The tumultuous times in which we live. We know that Christ is going to return. And we know that this world is a fallen and broken place. You don't have to look far. You can look at your own body and realize it. Because we have all faced trials, struggles, and illnesses. But God wants to show us his goodness. He wants to show us his faithfulness. And it ultimately starts in the person that is Jesus Christ. And he calls us now to be his ambassadors. Where do I find that? glad you asked. Let's stand together and read one of my very favorite passages of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I do have it open to the right place. Here we go. Verse 15, we'll start. And he died for all, that those who, might, who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we gar regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Lord, help us to realize first that you have paid the price that we might be reconciled to you. And that each one of us is called to be your messenger, your ambassador. In Jesus' name. It's an interesting word to pull out at this moment in our world. And, um, you know, you see what's happening on the news and, and, and you see what's happening in Asia and you see that all this work that our, our nation and our military did in Afghanistan and places like that seems to just be crumbling in on itself. And they even would be closing the embassy. And who lives at the embassy? The ambassador. The ambassador for the United States has been pulled out of Afghanistan. And it's, it's easy to get confused and discouraged and, and even angry in moments like that. And maybe justifiably so. But we need to realize that Christ saw our greatest need long ago. An eternity's past, as a matter of fact. And offered our life, himself, that we might have the opportunity to be his presence in the world. What is an ambassador? I looked it up. Um, an ambassador, frankly, is just a, it's a messenger on behalf of the person who's in charge of another place. So an ambassador from the United States would go to any other country... We have a United Nations ambassador that goes into that. I don't even know what to call the United Nations. They think they're a ruling body, but sorry. Um, but they go into that place and speak on behalf of the leader of each nation. We send ambassadors into other countries to learn the culture, to understand. So when the leaders from our nation go to those places, they might know the customs and be uh, able to speak our message or the nation's message in that place to where they would be able to understand it. And now in this passage here, we have a message, right? Many of you see verse 17 as one of the most important passages in your life, right? I hear you guys mention, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. That is the change that is made in our lives because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. When we trust in him, he calls us to be a new person. He changes us. He brings us entire new life in him through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he gives us his spirit that we might go now as representatives of him into the world. And now we come to verse 20, where he calls us ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us. 
And now what is it that we are to do? He says it right there. We implore you. That's a powerful word, guys. We beg. We plead on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. And one of the great things about the message we have is that God has already done his part. He calls us to receive the gift. We have a decision to make of what to do with Jesus. And actually, verse 21 is probably one of my favorite because it, it shows us the great transaction, what happened. In verse 21, it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Christ, when he died on the cross, took the sin of the world, the sins of the world. Sin is both an action and it also is a state of existence. You see, we are in sin and the wages of sin is death. Christ, the one who knew no sin, and if the wage of sin is death, he should have not known death. But because he took our sin on the cross, he became that sin, and God killed it. God killed sin and its effect. What happens with that? You find new life. So that we, in him, might become the righteousness of God. That is the message, and that is the hope of salvation. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to be talking more about that, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. It, further into this message here, if I, you know, I haven't preached in three weeks now, I got got to catch up. But um, on Sunday, September twelfth, North American Mission Board has called together an emphasis throughout the Southern Baptist Convention as Baptism Sunday. And so, if you have not been baptized by immersion, I want to call you to that step of obedience, that proclamation of what Christ has done for you here. It's a step of radical obedience that you would show your faith in him. Baptism is not something that saves us. It is a, an act that shows what Christ has done in us. That we have been dead to sin and raised to walk a new life in him. And if you don't think you can climb those stairs up there, it's okay. Because we, have the, we, can, we can get one of those cool things and put it down on the front lawn. And fill it full of water. And then hold you under until you stop bubbling. And then pick you back. I'm just kidding. We wouldn't do that. But that would, that would even be a greater public proclamation of our faith. Right? Don't let the staircase here intimidate you in your obedience to Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a steep staircase. If you walk by out here, you, I've seen a lot of you go, whoa. That's where the baptistry is? Yes, it is. It's also where the youth group is because they can still take the stairs up above back there. But if you don't think you can do that, we can see that happen because this step of radical obedience shows what Christ has done in us. And it's an important thing to show the world. It's a step of obedience to trust in the Lord. Don't let something of this world keep you from walking in obedience to Jesus Christ. And that includes the staircase. We can make it happen. So if you, and, and again, that free advertisement again, but that's coming up four weeks from today, 
September 12th. If you need to take that step of obedience, and remember, it's a step of obedience. It's not a step of salvation. It's a step showing what Christ has done in you already. It's a step of radical trust in Him. And it can be scary. Some of you have, have hesitated to do that and, and done it anyway because of a fear of water. Well, I'm not, I, and I, I was being facetious earlier. I'm not going to do that to you. We're just joking on that. But this is a picture of what Christ has done for you. And I call it, when we talk about baptism, I talk with, with those who are being baptized and remind them, and I'll remind you right now, that it's basically your first sermon. It's your proclamation of Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. There is no p greater picture of submission than to trust somebody to put you under the water. We need to demonstrate to the world a radical commitment and a radical obedience to Christ and his lordship. And that's a picture of it. It's coming up. Be ready for it. Talk to me if you have questions about it doesn't save you. It shows what's been done in you. Christ, because of what he has done for us, calls us now to extend that step of obedience and be his ambassador. Let's go to Ephesians a few pages later. Anybody remember where Paul was? I talked about it with the kids a little bit. You remember where Paul was for three or four of his letters in the New Testament? He was in jail. And he and the way they handled it is that they stuck him in a big hole and they wrapped the chains around him in shackles. This didn't have shackles, this has a hook. And they chained him to the guard. Again, I don't think many of you have been arrested because of your proclamation of Jesus Christ. It's happening in our world today. It's been said that there are more people in the 20th century that died for their faith than the previous 19 centuries combined. That's a lot of people. The 21st century hadn't cleaned up at all. But Paul had been arrested because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Now, I was a teacher for a while, and I had that student, right? Get them out of here. They won't stop talking. But here's the deal. When Paul was arrested, and this chain is heavy, by the way. I'm doing my weightlifting. When Paul was arrested, he didn't see it as a punishment. He saw it as a calling. How do we know that? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to have to switch arms and use my right arm next time work out there. Here we go. This is a very familiar passage as we talk about spiritual warfare. But let's remember where Paul is. Paul is in prison. He is waiting to have his day before Caesar. Finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, having put up the shield of faith, which with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Okay, so this is what's leading up. Paul takes this picture of a soldier. And there's lots of illustrations here, and I'm not expanding on this passage right now. But it's basically a picture of one who is on the offense, who is ready to fight for the Lord with the Word of God. To that end, here we go. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, many of us reading that would say, well, that's fine for the Apostle Paul, because he wrote half the New Testament. That's what he was supposed to do. But he's writing it to the church. He's telling all of us that we are ambassadors in Christ. And no matter where we are in the place that he has put us in this world, we are called to be messengers of the king. And so as we look ahead to what God has in store for us as a church family in a world that so desperately needs him, let us be reminded that we carry the greatest weapon in the history of the world. That is the word of God. This is why I tell you to read the Bible. Because it is what we, what equips us, it is what guides us, it what calls us to radical obedience and trusting in our Lord. Read the Bible. And if you'll remember, throughout this year, I've brought this back up, and I'm going to do it today. It's the first day back after vacation. It's a good reminder for me, hopefully for you as well. We need to be studying the Bible together. Reading it daily, studying it together. If you're not involved in one of our Bible studies, we have great studies. Get involved with them. Find some accountability with some friends in our church family so that we can talk about the Word of God together. Many of you are a big part of that already. But let's renew that commitment to be in his word and learning in his word. And ultimately, this is kind of like what you would call preaching to the choir because you guys are here right now. But make the commitment to worship together. Don't let fear keep you away from the fellowship of the saints. You may not be able to get out of your house very well we have people watching online right now. We understand that there are circumstances in our lives that keep us separated physically. I mean, the last year and a half show that. But we are called to worship the Lord corporately, together. So whatever it takes, make it happen. If it means you have to stay home, that's why we have the online options. And I'm, and I'm saying use those. But don't forsake the assembly, as it says in Hebrews chapter 6. Gather together to worship the Lord. And ultimately, what I want you to consider, 
moving forward from this moment, as, as, as Bill talked last week about being an ambassador, being there for people, examine your own life. Look at the things you do and the things you're involved with and your practices and, and find a way to adjust who you are to Christ. I'm not saying to do more. I'm saying to examine your heart, and I'm saying this to me too. Consider the things you do in relationship to what Christ has done for us. We may be involved in all kinds of busyness. You may say, Pastor, I cannot do one more thing for the church. That's not what I'm saying here, guys. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying examine what you're doing and make sure it's what Christ would have you do. And I'm not saying just within the context of the church. I'm talking about your house. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about your family. Maybe we need to change how we treat one another. And you know what? That doesn't take any more time. That just means we change our attitude. What can we do in our lives to bring glory to Christ? With that, I am going to not go on forever, but I want you to turn to a little short book at, at the close of Paul's letters called Philemon. It's only a full page in my Bible. Uh, it's actually a page in, a, in, in two, three, four lines. It's on page 1487. It's not even two chapters. It's just one chapter. And as I've looked at it, I may spend a couple of weeks looking at this particular book over the next couple of weeks. We'll get back to Mark. Don't we always? Right? It's only two more chapters. Philemon's not even two chapters. But verses 8 through 11, Philemon is an interesting character. Philemon was a slave. I'm sorry, Onesimus was a slave. Philemon was a slave owner. And Paul was writing a letter to this guy because Onesimus was Philemon's slave, and Onesimus escaped and ran away. And Philemon wasn't too happy with that. But along the way, Onesimus ran across the apostle Paul. And we'll come back to it became useful to Paul. That's what Anisimus' name plays on, its usefulness. But here's the deal. Because of this broken relationship between the slave and the, and the slave owner, don't get lost in those words, guys, in our, in our current cultural mess, okay? Because of the broken relationship there, though, Paul calls Philemon to a point of radical obedience. And here's where it is. Accordingly, in verse 8, it says, I am, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, 
but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. We'll come back to that on that name there, but that's Onesimus means useful. Now, here's the deal. Paul held great authority. He could have told Philemon what to do. And Philemon would have been obligated because of Paul's apostolic authority to do it. But how well does that go over, really? When you can have that authority and you just straight up say, you have to do this because I told you to. Parents. Bosses. No. When you see true love and true effectiveness is when there is a mutual submission here. And that's what Paul is appealing to Philemon with here, is a command of love. He appeals to his reader. He appeals to us to be an ambassador. And the reason I use this picture here is that in his prison uh, line here in verse 9, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, Paul, an old man. They, they've also translated that through history as ambassador. Paul, an ambassador, and now an, a, a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't think, doesn't state he is a prisoner of the Roman Empire here. Is he? But he sees it as a place of calling where God has put him to appeal to those who would receive the gift of salvation and see that restoration that would come because of forgiven sin. Guys, that's what he calls us to do in our world today. And that's why I said we may come back to this over the next couple of weeks. Because we could be very resentful of our world around us. Paul could have been very resentful of his circumstances and situation here. But instead, he comes to it with gratitude and forgiveness. Because really, every one of us is a prison prisoner to our own sin. This heavy chain holds us captive. It's called our sin. And God is the one who can break it. I can't do it. I can try as hard as I might. I can twist it. I can step on it. can't break this. But if you apply enough strength, the right tool, guess what can happen? It'll happen. And the only thing that can break the shackles of our sin is Jesus. Would you be willing today to follow him and radically? Obedience.
his, his great love. Let's pray. Our Lord, thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. Thank you for the trust and the grace that you give us. And I pray that we would be bold in our obedience to you. Help us to, to trust in you today, to walk in your grace and your mercy, to realize that there is no fear in the cross. You have conquered. Help us trust you. In Jesus' name.